Welcome to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, powered by Overtime Media. I'm Benjamin Wargo, the Badgers football and basketball beat writer for Rivals.com, and I've been thinking of who to have on the podcast this week. There's no news to report involving the University of Wisconsin. Everything remains in a holding pattern as we've kind of gone through the coronavirus uh, wave of emotions here after being in lockdown for almost two months now. And then I looked at the calendar and I noticed that today, when I'm recording this, May 7th, is the two-month anniversary of Wisconsin winning the Big Ten Championship. And I remembered of my conversation a month ago to the day with Orlando Tucker, the Wisconsin assistant coach, the all-time leading scorer in Badgers basketball history, who stepped in on an interim basis this year to fill Howard Moore's shoes. And the subscribers of Rivals.com in the wake of this lack of news with spring football being canceled and everything had kind of asked me to talk to Orlando Tucker. And so I did that last month for a story that ran on the website. And I, you know, carved out about 15, 20 minutes. And Orlando was nice enough to say that he'd do it. And I called him and 15, 20 minutes went by. And I was about two questions in, it felt like. We ended up talking for an hour. And we could have talked a lot longer, except I felt guilty of taking up so much of his time. But he covered everything in this conversation. We talked about the all the adversity that faced this team. Kobe King, Eric Helen. We talked about him learning on the job. So uh, the the progression of Lean Forward. So many really good things that I could not really cut from the story. There was so many really good things, but I had to. I, otherwise, it would have been a novel. But I held on to this audio because I wanted to utilize it so you could hear Orlando Tucker speak for himself and you could hear the passion in his voice and really go into in-depth on a number of topics that just I couldn't use for the print edition. And now with the NFL draft behind us, this is a perfect time on the two-month anniversary of Wisconsin becoming Big Ten champions to listen to Orlando Tucker. Uh, talk about what he went through this year and what Wisconsin went through to win their final eight games to become Big Ten champions this past season. And my first question to him is how, after a month of really, or a couple weeks after everything being canceled, has he finally been able to sit down and relax and really soak in what this team accomplished in 2019, 2020? Man, it's, uh, it's still ongoing, right? It's, I mean, looking at how our season ended, we don't, um, you know, I, I, I'm trying to really collect my fragmented thoughts and, and put them all together and place it. But I've man, it's just I've been spending so much time. I haven't really even had the chance of sitting, sitting in that space, right? I, it's always even right now. It's what's next and kind of trying to be creative with the guys during this, this you know, COVID nineteen obstacle, you know, that's the world's facing. Um, and it's trying to figure out how to be innovative with technology and how to. So it's I really, man, it's always it's been a challenge. You know, the challenge is always ongoing. I think right now it's always been ongoing, but it, I think it's just it's a microcosm of the year like we've had. And I think I think one of the things that I think back to is just how I was boosted and and put in this position. Um, that doesn't just come down like and everything we've been facing this year. That doesn't. I've hadn't had a chance to really sit and. And really navigate that. Really, to be honest with you, I've been um, just so caught up in trying to make sure that we can finish out the year and keep these guys. Because for me, I'm an adult. I'm 36. For the guys that are that these student athletes, man, they're 18 to 22. So let's try to keep their mind. How can they fathom, you know, not being able to play in the NCAA tournament? You have some seniors that left. So it's trying to me. I've always figured out. I'm trying to figure out a way to be a psychologist during these times. 
coach, a psychologist, you wear multiple different heads, but it's been a, overall, man, I think just, it's been a, a great teaching point. I, I wouldn't have wanted to come into coaching any other way in terms of being hit with so much at once. Because I think it prepares me for so much. It prepares me for a future, right? If I, you know, in this field, and this is something I can see myself in. I talked to Greg not long after the announcement came down that everything was going to be canceled, and I kind of asked him what his emotions were, and he really didn't go to disappointment or anger. He went more to happiness because he was proud of what his team, what your team, had done over the course of that last month to end the year with with a win and end the year with a championship. But now that you know the NCAA tournament final was supposed to be on Monday, and I know stuff has come out. You know, ESPN claimed that you guys were going to be the national champions in their bracket uh, pro- pro- projection. Um, how are you? What are your thoughts of not seeing this team compete in Indianapolis and in the NCAA tournament? Because it felt like you guys were peaking at the right time. That had you been able to play some games, who knows what could have happened. It seemed like this team was starting to trend in a real positive direction. Yeah, and that's what it comes down to, right? When you're approaching tournament times, you want to, who cares about the first two months or the first month? Like, nobody remembers that. They only remember you in the moment that you're approaching the tournament. So I think we were in a great space. Um, I think the guys mentally were in a great space. The team mentally was in a great space, and they had a rhythm. They understood how to play together. Uh, They understood each other's roles. That's the unfortunate part of this whole thing, right? It's just seeing those guys come together. Like I've, you know, I've experienced tournaments. I understand that. So have that stripped away from, you know, um, individuals that really wanted it. They wanted it bad. They wanted to prove the world wrong bad. They wanted to um, prove themselves that right, right, that everything they believed in from the start of the year, even going through the controversies that we did and the turmoil and obstacles that we were faced with they were able to battle out of those and come out resilient and, and, and diligent in their efforts every day in practice. So I think from a standpoint of um, I can I can agree with where Gar can see it and, and Coach Gar can see it from a stance of, you know, he's happy for, for, the, for the individuals. But it's also it's the bittersweet, right? It's the twofold side. It's you're sad. I'm sad for, you know, Brevin Pritz. I'm sad for Mike Ballard. I'm sad for... Cortland Cuevas, I'm sad for Samad. You know, I'm sad for guys like that that can't experience it. Their senior year, they can't experience what it felt like. And now you have to hang your head on what if. That's the that's the that's the unfortunate part is the what if because we were playing so good. You have to you don't you know you can be satisfied. You can be I won't say satisfied because I don't like to use that word, but you can be um you don't you don't have to be content with you know winning. We won the Big Ten, and you don't want to hang your head on that. But you can, you have to, right? You're forced to. Ultimately, you these. I, I'm trying to keep these guys from hanging their head too, or hanging their head too long, hanging their hat too long on the what if, because we were playing so good. The what if, man, and, and that that can be a, a lonely space, specifically now that they have all this idle time. It can be, it can be unfulfilled, an unfulfilled space. Um, so it's just hopefully we can channel that energy. Well, we've been trying to talk to you, channel that energy, and we got we got something that. We got something to continue to prove. Every time as an athlete, you have something to continue to prove. And so I, I think we're taking that energy into hopefully coming back. And once we can all get back together, understanding what we can be our potential. Looking back, how how did you make the transition work? What was the key for you to to step into such a hard situation and really just kind of blend in with 
a former teammate, a former assistant coach as your boss, and um, an, another really good uh, coach and dean who had that playing background. Was it was that the key that you just had good people around you, or was there another reason that the transition seemed to work uh, from the outside so seamlessly? Yeah, of course, of course. Like, the, I mean, from the countless hours that Dean and Joe put me in to help me from the, I guess, administration side, to understanding how to do videos, how to the basketball side, that's the easy part. The relationship side, that's the easy part for me. I've always been a leader. I've always been a coach in, my, in a sense, right? So I've always, even when I wasn't playing professionally, I had my own company where I traveled the world and trained from kindergarten kids to professional athletes. So I've always been a coach in a sense. That wasn't the hard part. It was just the part of learning how to understand how, how to deal with recruits. I know how to, you know, I've, I've been in the basketball world my whole life, so it's nothing different, right? It's not like I had to go to a different vertical or a different field. Um, a career field, so the but the team around the team totally from Coach Guard, you know, making sure I had everything that all the resources that I needed to to help me feel comfortable from Coach Joe and and Coach Kravinoff and Coach Oliver helping me every single you know day to learn how to put video or you know every other day to learn how to put video together, especially from the start. I'm a quick learner, and then having you know our, our director of video. Um, AJ Van Handel, you know, to our grad assistants, to everyone, you know, put in a collective effort. It's all a team effort. And that's what we're about. That's what we're about here. And that's how I feel. We've always been like that. It's a total team effort. And that's, you know, the same thing when you win. When you win, it's a total team effort from every single person, from the manager to, you have to build a culture of greatness. And I think that's what we started. And that's my idea of coming and, hey, like, listen, you know, I'm a team player. I just want you to, you know, help me. Learn as, as quick as possible. I don't want to be a, uh, I don't want to be an anchor, right? I don't want to be an anchor to the board. I don't want to bring it down. Just show me what I need to know, and I'll learn it quick. And the guys bought into that. They understood that, and they saw that I was going to work as hard as I was when I was a player. So I think it's just a whole total team effort that helped me transition into it, and just the mentality of being around. You know, I've been here before. This is nothing that's new to me. I've, I've been in pressure situations. That I have to make, you know insightful decisions and high speed and high paces, you know, my whole career. So that was the easy part for me is just having a great team, having great coaches, uh, but everyone down the line from the players being able to accept me and, and understand that I had a lot to offer from just my knowledge. So, you know, I'm thankful, you know, the people that, that you know, that call themselves Badgers. What was, what was the first uh, Sky Report you had for this year, and, and how did that go? Trying to put one together was it was it easy as you thought it would be? Was it or did would it become more and more challenging as you kind of try to break down film and try to figure out what was important, and what not was important? Um. So overall, my first scouting report, probably it was it wasn't an official game. It was a. Uh, it was uh, lacrosse. So it, it okay. was a great part. We had a couple of scrimmages. Um, and, like, Coach, and so me and Joe kind of tagged along together to knock out the lacrosse uh, the lacrosse schedule or the lacrosse game. So that was my first. But he, he let me take it on. I told him, I asked him, I said, hey, please, let me just show me a little bit, but let me try to tackle this right now before we really get into the weeds of the, of the season. So he, um, you know, it was it was the toughest part was understanding video on how to clip and how to do things. Yeah, that was just the toughest part. Um, but then, you know, and uh, it kind of eased in. It, it wasn't a lot of pressure put around us the scrimmage, but, and then just delivering, delivering the message to the team 
in a way that they can understand it, right? So taking all the information that I've seen with all the videos that I watch, and how could I translate that to a message where the players can understand it and still be myself, not be, you know, not adopt Joe's voice or not subscribe to Dean's mentality or not take on, you know, uh, Coach Guard's identity. How could I do all of that, even though they were teaching me? How could I do that and find my own voice and how to translate that to the guys? I think that was the toughest part for me, right, is to, to be able to figure – understanding this was my first – my first go around, so that was that was a great taste of it, the lacrosse game. But then my first game was McNeese State, where I had to do it from top to bottom. Um, and I think I, I may have shocked a lot of guys. I may have shocked a lot of people because you know it came a little. I mean, I worked hard. I worked hard at it overnight, and I mean every single night. And you know, it's always tough, but I figured I figured out you know how what works best for me to put together a scout report. Um, so I had to take all the information from all the coaches and figure out. What's Orlando's tricks? What is what is his way to learn? Just like you know, when you're you're in class and you're taking notes. What is my what is my way to be able to understand how to get the same end result that everyone else gets? And so I figured that out. I figured that out early because I put in a lot of time and, uh, and again I had great coaches put, um, giving me tips. How many, t- also, um, how many times did you, how many times did you forget to hit the save button? Oh man! <laughs> I so listen. I learned my lesson with that so much when. So much when I was like bringing things, like I'll put these papers together. Man, I lost in the college. I lost a, a fifteen-page paper. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm just so meticulous when it comes to pressing saves. I'm always pressing saves. But guess what? The funny thing about it is, some of these programs save themselves. So that's perfect. I was like, I didn't have to do it, but I still found myself <laughs> pressing saves. <laughs> what what Big Ten teams did you have this year? Uh, so my first. Big Ten team was uh, Penn State at Penn State on the road. Okay, tough, tough one, tough one on the road. Like so, that was that was you know going in. I think they were ranked ninth in the country, or I forget what they were ranked in the country, but it was it was a big game. It was a big game. But I I, I remember like I just remember my preparation. It's it's the moment I felt like, hey, this is my chance to impact the game, right? As a coach. Like specifically as assistant, you're like, what's your, you know, I've been an athlete, so I was able to get out there. So how did I channel my energy? That was the biggest question for me. How could I channel my energy of being on the sideline and really wanting to get in the game and help the team? And that's not my role anymore. So I, I felt like scout reports, I approached every scout report like my chance to affect and impact the game, right, and have influence on the game. And even, you know, that's, I think it's for the mental more so than it really, uh, you know, it really, you know, how, how much of an impact you can have, you never know with that, right? But, um, just for the most part, you try to take this mental psyche that this is your chance, this is your chance. So the Penn State game, and I came out, and I, like, I remember just knowing all of their sets, calling it out before, you know, they ran it, and looking at the team, and the team understood, like, they understood, and they got it, and it felt like we were connecting. And I remember after the game, you know, just Coach Gar was like, man, that was a heck of a scout report. And that kind of was, that was a, a, a great affirmation for me from Coach just after the game, and just for him to acknowledge the scout report really played a part. So, um, you know, that was the first big game, and I was just – it was major. It was major for me to just – like, okay, I got my first opponent down, my first big team, uh scout report out the way. So I was I feel like I was only going to get conf- more confident and more comfortable with putting them together, um, you know, the more I had under my belt. Well, what other teams did he give you? Do you remember? Yeah, so I had um, – let me, let me run it down. I think I had Penn State. I had Nebraska, um, Minnesota, 
they didn't try to overwhelm me this year, so it was great. I have Penn State, Nebraska, Minnesota, and I believe that's it. Those are the teams I had yep, this year. Huh. They went four and one those games. That's that's un- that's a pretty good start. Eighty percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four and one, man. So <laughs> pretty good. I, I was so I was so mad about the. I was just so mad. I, it wasn't. A, it's not about you know you never take it personal. It's all just trying to help the team. But just the loss at Minnesota because it was just we were going through so much at the time, and I knew we weren't prepared. We weren't like mentally. We had went through so much. I mean, this is a, another peak and uh, obstacle that hit us uh, throughout the year. So it just. Um, during that game, I just, it just, I just felt it. I just felt it, and I was, I felt helpless at that moment. But you know, it's a pretty good record to start it out. You mentioned you guys were going through a lot, and that that whole there's like a three week stretch where it seemed like everything possible that could hit you hit you guys. I mean, you had the thing with. Uh, with Eric Allen, you had the thing with Kobe King, Brad Davison was suspended before the Michigan State game. A a big part about being a coach is listening to your players, and I know that the walk-ons with Eric came and talked to you. Um, In pure generalities, were you in the meetings with with Guard and Kobe around the time that King's decision to leave the program, were you a part of those, or was that just Greg and Kobe talking? No, it was uh, myself and Coach Kravitz also part of that as well. Okay. Not asking for what happened in those meetings, but what did you learn about the importance of listening in those? You had um, a player who was unhappy wanting to leave, and he did. You had players who were uh, uncomfortable with something that had happened away from the court that were uncomfortable that came and talked to you. What did you learn about that aspect of coaching that maybe there's not really a playbook to prepare for until you're involved in it? Yeah, I know that it was. A, I mean, I've been. It's my first year on this side of the of, of the lines, right? And I, again, I've learned so much about myself and my abilities to be able to, like, you know, weather these storms, right, along with the team, and try to learn on the fly. Um, and from a coaching standpoint, and how to how to be able to teach in these moments. <clears throat> I mean, this is. I talk to the coaches and. They, I mean, I came into a situation that they hadn't faced anything. Like, you know, they face wins and losses. You face certain, but, like, to be hit with a whirlwind of, you know, the, the more tragedy, the everything that happened this year, and then that is just, it, it hit us all at once. So we were all learning together, I think, which was the great part, right? We were leaning on each other. Um, but from a standpoint of, I've always been a real a relationship-based guy, right? So I try to always build trust, and I think the one thing I, I do great with the team, and I do great always, and not just not disregarding anybody else's, I'm just speaking on my own personal abilities, is to build relationships, to build trust with the guys, build trust with individuals, um, and just being who I am, right? Being honest, being open, being transparent, being vulnerable. Um, um, and that's where, I, you know, I, I talk to the guys, and they know I don't know all the answers, and I, and I openly share that. Hey, I don't... If it's something I don't know, I'll let you know if it's something I don't know, right? And so I think I was able to build a trust where God, like the individuals will come to me and want to talk, right? And part of it as an assistant, that's your that's your job, right? You know, the head coach can't be everyone's friend. He's got so many different things he's, he's taken, so many tasks he's taken on that players sometimes lose sight of, right? And the assistant, our job is to really fill in those voids, fill in those gaps where the, co- the, the head coach can't be. And, you know, I, I've always... Been a team. We always we just, again we're team we're team players. That's just, as a player you have to understand how to be a, a team player. This is an individual sport. So um, from that standpoint, I, I understood my role as being a voice, being a person that is a, a quintessential example of what a 
uh, a UW athlete to strive to be, right? And I think I, I understood that, so I laid a foundation when I was here. And I kind of, from my knowledge of playing 10 years professionally, I think I got the, the recipe, the foundation for guys to listen and my message to resonate because they, they aspire to be able to accomplish those things, I think. So that's, that lets me in the door with them. But the trust comes from just being open and transparent, and, and, and I do listen, right? I want to listen, and I try to help, uh, and I try to create a voice, and I try to empower them, uh, the players, to feel like they have voice, right? And whether it's empowering them to go talk to the head coach and, you know, when they come to me. And so and I found myself doing that a lot, right? And, but I, and it helped hone, hone my skills, right, and, and make them better. I was challenged, and I'm going to continue to be challenged in this, in, as a coach, but... Like I, I again, I, as as a person looking to coming into a situation, or, or you want to be challenged. I always, as an athlete, I want to play the best, right? I want to play the best in competition to prove that you know I, I belong, or you know to prove that I, I'm worthy of being in that position. So even as a coach, right? I, you know, being challenged like this, I think help prepare me, help prepare the team, help prepare the coaches to be better individuals. Um, and so that that's what you ask for. You ask to be. Pre- you know, to become a better individual. Part of that is listening. So, you know, if it takes us listening better, I think a lot of this challenges all of our personal skills. Um, and, we, and we put it together, though. We put it together towards the end of the season. Was Aleem Ford's development assigned to you when you got the job, or did you just naturally gravitate to him? And I know we talked about this previously, that you'd watched a lot of him before you became yeah. an assistant, and you saw a lot of things where he could really blossom. Where did he grow the most in your eyes with you working for him? It feels like his tenacity got better, especially after Kobe left. He took on a bigger role that he yeah. really relished, and he seemed more confident with what he was doing. Where, where was the biggest growth in your eyes with, with okay. him? Okay, so the first part, so I wasn't a task. Like, I, 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 and I don't know if it's, this is my first year, I don't know if guys are really a task, a task with guys like or development tasks. Like, I think as a collective, we try to figure out multiple individuals. And, and the impact, like when I came, I just I was analyzing every single person on the team. And so I would, I would personally at different times pull certain guys Sure. Aside and work on them. I've done that with Demetri Trice. I've done that with Brad Davis, and and I did that, you know, the whole season just with Aline himself and Kobe. I had taken both of those guys, two guys that played a similar position that I knew that needed a boost in confidence, right? And specifically with Aline. So Aline, the biggest jump was his confidence. Aline always had the skill set, and I think he every year Aline starts out and he's really great. And this is what I had heard, you know, in the past, like, and I just seen I. Not even heard, but I kind of experienced by watching, like, last year and the year before. He starts out really great, and I see him in practice, and I see he he has a lot of confidence. And somewhere along the line, he loses, right? Whether it's the competition that steps in front and, you know, the challenges that um, start presenting themselves. But Aline this year stayed relentless in every single time he approached uh, practice and sometimes he sometimes he, he strayed away from it like right he, he, you could see lost moments and that so at the beginning of the year he started out great school every single thing he was very relentless practice the way he approached it um as we uh, as we got hit with obstacles you can tell it I could tell it I could see that it started hitting his confidence in it and one of the things I would really do is bring him in and watch video and not show him just the bad things but show him some of the good things about what I see from him and talk to him about my myself being in these positions and the mindset I had to embody and, and take on it. He 
were as as open and 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 responding as possible, right? And I think he asked the thing I saw from Elaine, he was not so open in the past to like coming to coaches and asking for, for work. He came to me multiple times. Hey, let's watch video. Hey, can we get in and do some extra work? That side of him, I start seeing something change, right? And he wanted to get better. He saw himself. He, he, he put goals for him. He set goals for himself. So his confidence, his belief in himself towards the end of the season, towards when we went on a stretch, the belief in himself. Like, I, I tried to impose belief in him. The coaches tried to impose belief in him. But his belief in himself, and I wanted that to happen. I wanted him to understand that everything we worked for and set for at the beginning and the goals that we set for himself and he set for himself was only going to be accomplished if he really believed them, right? And that's, and that's what I constantly, after every game, whether good or bad, I would talk to him about the things. And this is what I do with most guys, but Aline even more so would talk to him about, hey, like, this is what you need to be. This is who you need to be. This is, and he would always take it, head up, chin up, and would take it. And that's something that shows a person that's growing, a person that really wants to be to better better themselves. And that's the most the thing that I'm proud of. So he, he was faced with a lot, and you know he he wasn't always the com- most confident guy in the past. And for his confidence to grow and his uh his ability to believe in himself to really grow, that's the lean that I know I knew um, we could see and. And I want him to continue from there. I think he just he set the bar, and now he's just trying to advance the bar, elevate the bar higher every single day. It just felt like you two were were a match from the from the beginning, which is why I was curious if, just like Greg said, you you really should spend a lot of time with Aleem because when I watched Aleem, I was I felt like I was watching a version of you to a degree because you two almost felt like you were kind of cut from the same cloth, and so I was just curious if you just. I felt yeah. like you could see that too so, in him, and we had talked about that previously. That you just saw a lot of yourself in him. He just hadn't gotten yep. there yet. Yeah, yeah. So I, I definitely, I did. A coach, like coach, coach guard told the whole team. He said, "Like, listen, you guys don't realize and this is from him." He said, "You don't realize the resource that you have in this guy. Like a guy that you look at and you see accomplish what he's accomplished, but he's so open to teaching." And he said, "He taught." He he told the whole team that you you better pick my brain. But specifically, guys that played my position. So he he, didn't, he he would talk to those guys about, hey, you better go and pick you know pick his brain. You better just get in the mind of Orlando, right? You use that. And for my for me, like, now having a full title as a coach, they could do it every single day if they wanted to. So uh, I think I mean, Coach Guard did a great job of just like reiterating the point of. You know who I was and what I was to the program, not only on the court and what I did, but the leader I was off the court and how I was able to lead a group of guys. You know, from day one that I came in, you know, as a freshman. So I think, um, and me knowing just how tough it can be to be in certain positions, and and, and I just I try to assess situations and understanding that a lean, like looking at his body type, a lean has he has a professional, he has a professional athlete's body makeup, right? And if if I could get his mind to catch up to where his body is, right? That that was a challenge for me. So I wanted to take on one of the uh, major challenges, and I thought that would be, and I, I really saw, I saw a lot of him uh, in me. He's super, he's very humble off the court, but again, uh, all of our guys are. It was just trying to get him to become that ferocious beast or monster on the court and flip that switch, and that's something I talked about with a lot of our guys. Kobe the same. how do you flip that switch when you come on the court? And so every day in practice, they would have to go against me, and they would see how I would come in. Now, yeah, I'm... Yeah, I wouldn't talk a lot. I, or you know, from a coaching standpoint, I talk. But outside of that, I come in. I never really have to talk about my game. But when I stepped on the court, 
it was a different person. It was Mike Tyson in between those lines on a basketball court. So they started seeing it firsthand every single day, and I think it just uh, innately started. They started building this uh, this, this, same, this same type of mentality. Did you take Kobe's decision personally? Um, in this business, I try not to take too many things personally, right? Um, I realized that. I realized that early. I realized that specifically, I learned that as a professional athlete. Um, as a professional athlete, you, you go through so many different transitions, and some of them, be it uh, uh, just, I would say, inadvertent transitions, or you go through transitions, unexpected transitions, and so I try not to take too many things personal because um, I did a lot as a professional. So coming in, I, I, I didn't really want to. It's just I, I, I felt like I, I wish I could have been here longer to help him. But I wish I could have been here at an earlier point to figure out how could I help him. Where did where did the the turning point happen for him? I, I you know I don't think I was able to be a. I think it was something you know in the, us talking that it was just underlying things. I guess he was going through prior to me even coming on, right? So I just felt like I missed the opportunity to be able to help you know to help him, right? And that's mm-hmm. where you know, but I didn't take it personal. I just we, and the whole staff, like the whole staff, just felt like how can we continue to help, right? Regardless, you know, in this business, you look at the business, right? You look at this, what's going on. You look across the country. This isn't something that's abnormal. You see kids, you watch in the news, kids are leaving left and right. All the time. It's the environment. It's, it's changed, right? So it's nothing new when, when it hits Wisconsin. And I think everybody sees it and we, we kind of say, oh, wow, what happened? Something must be going on. And it's like, it could be, but then it's, it's no different than what's happening everywhere else in the, in the world, specifically in collegiate athletics. So I think um, for me, it's whenever that happens, and I'm sure other programs are dealing with this, it's how how could you, where do you feel like things went wrong and how can you get better so that don't happen, that doesn't happen again or how can you help? Uh, how can you continue to help individuals um, even if they leave? How can you be an asset or a resource to them? So even to this day, I'm, I've never, you know, never taken anything personal with a, a person that makes a decision based on how they feel what's needed for their family or, or themselves. So, you know, it's just the nature of the business. I got a couple more for you. Um, but what, what was the biggest off-the-court problem you as a player dealt with during your time at Wisconsin? And you don't have to name names if, if, if that helps, but was there any issue that even comes close to some of the stuff that you guys dealt with off the course, uh, off the court during the season? Um, I can't – like, just uh, my, my – I had a lot – you have a lot of challenges as a student-athlete, right? I think coming in, just the whole challenge of, of – challenge of balancing a schedule and a schedule where you put on a level where you're tasked to be able to have to produce, you know, produce or it's, it's, it's the next, the next person, the next, you know, the, you know, the next team or whatever it may be from that sense, we did not have to deal with social media. Right. So yeah. these, these kids, the kids of this day can't live a normal life because they can't be kids. They can't make mistakes because they're judged by, Everything they do, they have to be perfect, which builds and breeds and builds this, this I think, this dark place within them because they don't have a space to identify who they really are. They're always wearing a mask for the public because of social media. Um, so we didn't have to deal with that. It's a different generation. So how do you, how do you teach the kids to find balance, to find uh, their, their uh, equal ratio for themselves, right? How can they not become addicted to that that side of, the, of everything. So for myself, I didn't have the challenges uh, that these kids are faced with today. Um, but also, it's a, it's a great it's a great platform for them to be able to build their personal brand, right? I think about if what if 
What if we had we, we had this one the back when I was you know the brands you so used to good and the bad you have to take with what they go through. But for myself, I just think um, the challenges. My I had normal challenges during those times of just most of my challenges came with trying to be a great student, trying to be a, you know the best athlete that I could be, trying to you know bring as many wins to a program that um, didn't demand the respect that I felt other programs demanded. So that was the normal challenges for me. You were part of a 17-game win streak in 06-07. I know because I counted earlier today because I knew it was long after you guys lost to, I think, Missouri State in some tournament. You beat Auburn, and then you didn't lose again until February against Indiana. Um, you guys won eight to this year. Was there common differences from the team that you were on to the team that you had from February 10th to March 7th this year? Um, some of the, I think the similarities were the team's belief, like, right, I'm a huge, I'm a, I'm a firm, I'm a firm believer in, um, you speak and, and, and think things into existence, right? So, um, I think hard work is a manifestable process. So I think that can, once you learn and once you figure out that equation, you can redo it and you can read. And I, and so that's what I've been trying to implant, that same equation, right? What I saw from this team is their belief. At a certain point, when I came in, I've always I've always had a belief in myself, and and my biggest challenge was to how could I emanate or impute my belief into my teammates? Right, coming in as a freshman, I believe that coming in as a freshman, I believe that we could win a championship. Everybody does, but I I you could not tell me any different that we would not win a Big Ten championship, that we would not be number one in the country, and if you. If, this is no joke. I would tell my teammates this in the locker room. And if we're going to be number one in the country, we have the team. We have everything. We have all the pieces to be. But we gotta believe it. We got. And this will be my. This will be my message as a player to all of my teammates all the time to the Joe Cravenal, to the the Greg Steensman, to the Marcus Landry, to the you know also all the time to the Brian Butchers, um, to the Ray Nixons. All the time, this was my message. So how what I saw. And this team was their belief that they could actually win at a certain point. And once that belief started to uh, spiral, it, it became a domino. You know, Brad believed, Deline believed in himself and in his team, and Dimitri believed, Trevor believed, Brevin believed. You know, so it just started to Nate, then Micah. And once that happened, it's a it's a unique space to enter because you start seeing and. It's just fun to watch, right? And that's the similarity. The difference is that, you know, these guys are, there's no one personal identity on the team, like the go-to identity, the go-to person or player, right, that it's, uh, uh, it's distributed. Our, all of our productivity is distributed within the team that, I mean, it's unlike most teams that, you know, Wisconsin had. You know, what I, I played a part of, been a part of, was the Devin Harris's, the Kirk Penny's, the, the Mike Kelly's, and guys like that that were a part of you understood, like, the dynamics of the team or who those individuals were. With this team, it's a, 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 it's a holistic uh, approach every single game. You don't know what you're going to get, which makes us so hard to guard. It's like we don't know who to really prepare for. We prepare one night for Nate. Micah comes out. We prepare one night for Meach. Aline comes out. We prepare one night for Brevin because he had a great then, – then, you know, Brad comes out. So that makes this team dangerous. And they're, all of them can shoot the basketball. Unbelievable. So it's just – that, I think, as a, 
is an opposing coach, that would be a nightmare to, to scout a Wisconsin game because the distribution comes from so many different places. Yeah, people have asked me, Orlando, like what the turning point for this team was. I said I couldn't tell you because it's not like one guy got hot and just carried the weight to the finish line. It was someone different every night, and I think the turning point was maybe maybe the Michigan State game when you finally got the monkey off your back. Maybe it was the Ohio State game. I mean, it just it felt like like you mentioned, it felt like this team after Kobe left just started to kind of tighten around one another and they just after that win against Michigan State they just started to maybe believe that they could do it and then it just kind of carried weight from there for the rest of the year like you mentioned just like yeah. they believed that they could do it maybe by being Michigan State or maybe yeah. by somebody somewhere it the flip yeah. just just switched was there a turning point or did it just kind of come naturally or over time so i think it was a I think it was a combination, right? I, I don't think you can pinpoint to one event, yeah. or one specific moment. I think this team was bred this whole year. They were put in obstacles. They were faced with challenges from early, from trying to, you know, battling, trying to get Micah back or not having a full, completed roster, to battling, you know, from start day one with the Coach Moore tragedy and the thing they had to endure from that standpoint and had to grow mentally from the loss, the loss that they had seen at that point, the, the, the heartbreak. Um, from that moment, no one believing in them and having a battle and having a battle their own doubts, right? And to um, getting, fighting for Micah to come back. Micah comes back, losing Kobe, right? All of these, then the Eric Heller situation. This team was thrown every single thing at them, right? And they found a way to figure out how to bounce back. I think at some point they were put in a position to be built, to be molded for that one opportunity, that one moment, and then you look at the Michigan State game where your back is fully against the wall or things are just everything's against the wall, and you're like, okay, let me push aside everything else. Let me push aside social media. Let me push aside what people think of me. Let me just play basketball and without any pressure. And I think that's something that happened. I saw a transition where, okay, you know, no one expects us to be Michigan State. All right, so let me just play free. And this is with our message. Hey, guys, just go play. Play free. Play free of anything. Play free of mistake. Play play free. Just play the game of basketball. Find that passion. Find that reason you loved the game before. Right? And why you started playing was kind of my message to some of the guys and, and the team at the time. But I think they just ultimately was molded from everything that was thrown at them for the year to say, you know what? You can't throw anything else that I haven't seen at me. So let me just go and play this game of basketball, right? Because we're throwing things that in front of us that was far more greater a challenge than 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 a game of, of sport, right? Things that they were faced with in life prepared them for a moment to say, "All right, we're just going to play. We're going to give it everything we got with full belief." And I think it was a, I don't think it was one single moment. I think it was a combination of everything that was thrown their way. Has there been any talk about what your role is going to be next year? We haven't got to that point yet, right? Yeah. We haven't gotten to that point, and I think it's just right, rightfully so because of everything that happened with COVID nineteen, right? It's just sure. And so right now, I again, this is where I kind of try to be. Um, I'll always explore my creative liberties all the time, and I'm trying to be very creative with how can I continue to keep the team motivated when we can't have them together, when they're by themselves, where they don't have a coach or a trainer looking over their shoulders, when. You know, so we're being creative.
creative. I'm being creative with technology, and I'm trying to figure out how to keep them again in a in space of wanting, wanting, wanting more, and, and pushing themselves. So we haven't had a chance to really navigate that yet. I don't, and I think you know, after this calms down, we really will have a chance to sit down. But man, we, again, this is this is something that's unprecedented. This is something that's abnormal. That's you know, I guess foreign for most, right? For this whole COVID nineteen situation is foreign to the world. So we're navigating it the same way everyone else is, and I don't think we've really had a chance to sit down and really talk what that looks like. Last one for you. I don't know if you've given this much thought, but what do you think it's going to be like to get another Big Ten championship ring, this third one being 16 years after your second one? Man, it's kind of ironic, right? So I look at it I look at it as a stance. My first year here at the University of Wisconsin as a player, we won a championship. Yep. I, you know, we won an NBA, uh, a Big Ten championship. My first year as a coach to win, it's like the irony in that matter is like it's, it's it's awesome, right, from that standpoint of just looking at that. So hopefully I can, from the coaching side, have an impact that I, the same kind of impact that I had as a player, right, just the, the kind of career and the, the impact and the influence. Um, hopefully I can have that same impact starting starting my coaching career out similar to how I started the, uh, you know, my playing career out here at the University of Wisconsin. Uh, that's just, that's, just, that's again, it's, it's great. It's a great feeling, but there's no contentment. There's no, no complacency there. It's just now, what can we do next? What can we do next as a team? What can, what can I do next to get better as a coach to, to help influence, to help impact my, my team at a greater, greater level? So, uh, that's, that's the, that's the, that's the mindset I'm in and the mindset I'm trying to embody. And that is my conversation with interim head coach Orlando Tucker. And I've known Orlando a long time. I've known him since he came to Wisconsin. We're about the same age. So I was a a student reporter then when he was playing. And so I got to know him very well. And um, he hasn't changed. He's still incredibly intense uh, on the court. He's still incredibly friendly off the court. And he will be a great full-time coach whenever he gets that opportunity. Don't know if it's going to be at Wisconsin. Don't know if it's going to be somewhere else. But... Uh, he is tremendous. And the the one thing that I hear a lot of people talk about over the course of the last couple of weeks is how disappointed they are that they couldn't see this Wisconsin team in the NCAA tournament. They felt that the story was incomplete. Well, I would argue that the story was kind of completed, that this team overcame so much adversity throughout Memorial Day, throughout the summer with Micah Potter, throughout the season with, with Kobe King and Eric Helen to win their final eight games to become Big Ten champions. I would almost worry that if this team who went into the tournament postseason with so much momentum that they felt confident they could beat anybody in the Big Ten and anyone really across the board, what if they would have lost their first game in Indianapolis? What if they would have lost their first game in the NCAA tournament? It almost would have taken away from what Wisconsin accomplished to a degree. You have that what if out there, and that what if will always be there. But the punctuation moment, and Greg Gard emphasizes to me when I spoke to him following the Kansas Janssway tournament, there was no sadness from him. There was no madness or anger. He was happy that the last game this team played, they were together on the road with just the core people who made it happen, and they were able to celebrate winning a championship in their final game. That, to me is the true success story of the season. Not that this season, the the tournaments were canceled and all that. I think how this season ended 
was a perfect finale for Wisconsin basketball. And by what you've heard with Orlando Tucker, he had a huge impact in making this team title contenders. For all the latest on Wisconsin football, basketball, and recruiting, log on to BadgerBlitz.com. A lot of of cool features that we're doing on the site. I'm sure you've seen them already, but if you haven't, uh, we're, uh, John McNamara, our publisher, at McNamara Rivals on Twitter, is going through recruiting memories from these recruiting classes. I'm doing recruiting anniversaries, commitment anniversaries. We've already done uh, Josh Oglesby. We've done Chikwe Obashi and Rob Wilray coming on the same day. We just did Bart Houston earlier this month. A lot of recruiting news has been coming up. As of late, with new offers going out, so be sure to log in and check those out. Plenty of new features will be coming up over the next several weeks. And then you can follow me on Twitter at the Badger Nation. Don't know when our next podcast is going to be, but we will hopefully get one for you soon. Get a good guest lined up to talk about Wisconsin athletics. Thank you for listening all season long, and we hopefully will talk to you, stu- talk to you soon. Stay healthy, stay safe, and my best to you during this time.